Welcome to In Conversation, the regular podcast of eSharp magazine. Go to eSharp.eu for free access to all our podcasts to date. This is Paul Adamson, and I'm in conversation with Stephen Fiddler. Stephen Fiddler is the UK and BRICS editor of the Wall Street Journal. Steve, it's now a week since Boris Johnson became uh, Prime Minister. That was maybe not a great surprise to, to most of us. But what is your reaction to the nomination to his cabinet and the various advisory posts he's made uh, since he became Prime Minister? Well, it does seem uh, to be a cabinet that's designed to tell people that the UK is preparing for a, uh, an exit from the EU on um, October the 31st, come what may, and if necessary, uh, a no-deal exit. Um, so, uh, in a sense, it's the cabinet that might have existed immediately after the referendum in uh, June 2016, because we have a, a lever prime minister and he's surrounded by uh, a large number of uh, pro-leave cabinet ministers and um, you know, significant advisers. So if you like, finally, the uh, Leave campaign owns Brexit for the first time probably uh, since, the, uh, since the referendum. Well, it's early days, of course, of the Boris Johnson administration, but there are already some, aren't there some signs of sort of uh, unclear signals being given out from, from Downing Street. One is that, of course, we have to prepare for the snow deal scenario, as you say, but at the same time, the Prime Minister is saying uh, that it's uh, highly unlikely what he's striving for is a deal. So what credence do you give that? Is he, do you think he's relatively sincere in trying to seek a new deal with Brussels? I find it hard to read what's inside people's minds and uh, one tries to sort of really uh, look at their actions, I think. Um, and uh, it's... It's hard to. It's it's frankly hard to say. What what one can say that one knows already that a no deal Brexit would be a difficult um, issue for the economy. And um, as Philip Hammond, the former Chancellor of the Exchequer, said beforehand, preparing for a no deal Brexit uh, is not the same as as uh, making sure there's not a big economic impact of a no deal Brexit. Um, so, uh, from all the uh, evidence from inside and outside government, one would think a no-deal Brexit is something that you would uh, you would want to avoid. I think uh, from it's clearly uh, the position that's being taken is that um, there's an attempt, if you like, to scare the EU into uh, making concessions that will make the agreement tolerable to Parliament. Mm -hmm. um, now, whether ultimately. Boris Johnson hopes that uh, he, if he goes gung-ho for a no-deal Brexit, if he hopes that Parliament will rescue him at the last moment because he really doesn't want it in his heart of hearts, uh, who can tell? But the extent that he thinks Parliament will rescue him from a no-deal Brexit, then the EU, um, who, you know, the people in the EU spend a lot of time looking at British politics, will also think right. um, that uh, Parliament will rescue the EU from uh, the UK from a no-deal Brexit. So this game of, of uh, chicken that he seems to be playing, um, uh, if it is a game of chicken, um, will is pretty easy to see through uh, from the other side. If it's not a game of chicken, he's genuinely um, ready to leave the EU on October the 31st without a deal, then the uh, consequence of the economy leading up to Christmas um, might, be, uh, might be significant. Well, you were Brussels Bureau Chief uh, for the Wall Street Journal for many, many years, so you also know the EU side pretty well. Do you see any signs at all, even if they're relatively modest, of the EU27 or certain key member state uh, heads of government 
changing their mind or at least trying to make some kind of offering to uh, to, to, to Boris Johnson to get him out of this particular situation? At this point, I don't see any anything. One, one hears uh, people musing sometimes that uh, the negotiations might have done been done differently. Uh, some people wonder out loud about whether the uh, the Irish backstop was um, perhaps um, too tough, if you like, or could have been adjusted. I think at this point, if um, Boris Johnson is saying that he doesn't intend to uh, start conversations with people uh, in the EU until they, in advance, make concessions to him, mm-hmm. I think that leaves them in a very easy position. I, I don't really think, under those circumstances, they're going to make public concessions. I think um, that will depend on them sitting down and meeting and, and negotiating. So at this point, I think... Um, the EU is probably going to sit tight. Right. Um, so no reopening of the withdrawal agreement. I think, but I think it's. I think it's unlikely. I wouldn't say impossible. Um, I think you could. Uh, you could look at it and say, well, perhaps the uh, the Germans, uh, Angela Merkel, might be inclined to reopen it rather than um, risk the dislocation that would come with a No Deal Brexit. But she's not as powerful in the EU, I think, as as, right. as she was. I think she's unable to. Uh, or maybe unable to kind of swing things in ways that would, you know, she would have been able to uh, one or two years ago. She doesn't have the uh, the influence in the EU, and probably the key to it um, is France and um, you know the President Macron. Right, and there's no sign of the EU 26 uh, finally saying to Ireland, "Sorry, we've, we've done our best, but uh, we we can no longer accommodate you and your particular concerns on the hard border. You're on your own. That's not going to happen." Uh, I don't. I think it's unlikely to happen in that way. There may be people who hope that the um, the Dublin changes course and right. says, "Okay, we uh, we need to go back to the table and look at the backstop and see if we can uh, do something with it." But even things that you know might have been conceivable, such as a time limit to the backstop, mm-hmm. um, Boris Johnson has ruled out in advance. So, sort of potential. Compromises right. have been ruled out in advance by uh, by the new uh, government. Um, the other thing is is you know, and uh, people in the UK tend to forget it that other countries have politics too. Mm. And for Verrecken, uh, the uh, Taoiseach will know that a No Deal Brexit is very bad for Ireland, as Brexiters in the UK keep pointing out. The thing is. Um, the politics points in another direction. He seems to be, uh, it's, if he were to reverse course, it would probably hit him politically. Mm. So politically, his support uh, comes from uh, holding the line, even though it may be a course that in the end causes economic uh, damage for Ireland. So we have politics in Ireland as well as obviously politics in the UK, and it may not be working towards finding a compromise. Well, as you said, so Boris Johnson didn't waste much time in laying down even you know, redder red lines compared to his uh, predecessor. That suggests, therefore, he's not really interested, maybe, in seeking any kind of deal uh, and just going straight for a, a, a no deal? It's, that, is, that is possible. I think there's still a sort of thought um, among British uh, Brexiters that, um, that somehow um, they can... Um, threaten the EU with the economic consequences of uh, a no-deal Brexit, which indeed would hit both sides. Mm. I think on the other side of the channel, um, you uh, look, people look at it and say, well, it hurts us both, 
but it hurts the, the British far more. Mm. 45% of British exports, if you look at the numbers, 45% of British exports go to the EU. Mm. Um, that, that risk being damaged by checks and tariffs and all kinds of things. Meanwhile, on the EU side, only two countries uh, export more than 10% of, um, of their exports to the UK. And um, uh, one is Ireland. Right. And the other is Cyprus. Okay. So the, uh, there's an asymmetry in the economic impact. And um, there are people on the EU side saying, we can't, we can't want a no-deal Brexit less than you, or we can't, uh, we can't kind of get you out of a, a greater problem for you than it is, it is for us. Um, Right. Well, so the House of Commons, the British Parliament, is now in recess until early first week in September. Does that mean that everybody, everything's good quiet? You stop working for several weeks um, because nothing to write about? Or on the contrary, are, are, are there things happening, maybe not necessarily in a clandestine manner, but certainly below the parapet that people be, should be aware of during the so-called quiet summer period? Well, I think the, uh, I think the EU, um, on the EU side, people have brought holidays forward and that kind of thing. So they are ready for conversations um, among negotiators and that kind of thing. And I think that could well happen. But uh, the difficulty is that unless the sort of guidelines for the European Council change, um, then the guidelines for the negotiations um, don't change and the withdrawal agreement won't be reopened. So. Um, there can be these conversations, but there is a limit to how far they can go without a new mandate, I think, from the European Council. Yeah. Um, there is a G7 meeting, a Group 7 meeting, uh, in August um, in France, and that, that might be the first time uh, that the leaders uh, get together. So the, uh, um, Boris Johnson will be there with the leaders of France, Italy, um, and Germany, Germany yeah, yeah. as well as, of course, uh, Donald Trump. Um, so that might be an opportunity to get to to get together and move things forward, but I think until there's a sort of a different mandate from the uh, European Council, it'd be hard really to make very substantial, uh, very substantial project, progress in the month of August. You said at the beginning that, that now with the composition both of the cabinet and on all these different appointments of special advisors across Whitehall and Downing Street, obviously it's, it's now again very much a Leave administration and they have ownership, um, and there's other members of the media, your colleagues have used rather florid language talking about um, a war cabinet on a war footing, all that kind of stuff. Uh, is there quite sort of advanced activity as far as you're aware uh, behind the scenes, behind closed doors of gearing up to a quite a major campaign, not just election campaign when it's called, but also in sort of preparing the ground now uh, for a future general election? Well, I think that's a, a conclusion that a lot of people have drawn, that this is, a, a, as well as being um, uh, a cabinet and a government that's, uh, that's ready to leave without a deal, it is also one that's ready to gear up for a general election. Mm -hmm. um, the big question would be when such a general election could be held, I think. And um, uh, I think uh, Boris Johnson has said several times that he, that he, that he doesn't want a general election before before Brexit Day on October the 31st. Now, whether uh, that is, is the case, uh, it will take some doing for there to be a general election before October the 31st because of just because of the timetables and the necessary delays that need to take place in the British, uh, in the British system. Um, but I think it's definitely 
uh, is definitely on the cards for the next uh, for the next three to six months, whether it can take place before Brexit Day or not, or whether there would have to be an extension to allow one to take place, um, is um, is I, I I really can't say. And of course, it's a big risk for a prime minister to. Yep. Uh, call an election, um, particularly when the electorate almost seems to be divided four ways. I mean, you know, there are changes from polls to polls, but you have, you know, the, the Conservatives, you have Labour, you have the Brexit Party and the Liberal Democrats are all sort of vying for 20 to 25% of the vote. And what that, what that means in, in terms of... Um, you know, general election, who can tell? So it's a big risk for yeah. for Johnson to go ahead. I think the other thing, Paul, is is uh, is that if there is going to be a big campaign now for preparing people for no deal, yes. one of the one of the issues uh, that uh, the Theresa May government had that if they were too honest about the difficulties of no deal, they uh, they risk. Um, the kind of project fear yeah. uh, accusation. Oh, the reaction. But, yes, but if they're not honest about it, then people are not going to prepare adequately. So there's a, um, you know, gearing up everybody for a no deal um, is potentially going to worry a lot of people who at the moment are not very worried. Well, maybe a final question about Boris Johnson himself. You've known him for quite some time in his different previous incarnations, and I think people are all surprised. Like when any new prime minister uh, gets into side dining street is we all have to get used to this new personality uh, inhabiting that role but nonetheless do you see any sign that that he he has a plan even if it's a kind of self-serving plan where he wants to he not just wants to be liked or whatever he's ambitious clearly like every politician we all know uh, is that he wants to be a successful prime minister i.e stay in office more than just a few weeks do you think there's a a strategy, a kind of underlining strategy behind his uh, his positioning on, on, on Brexit? Well, I, I mean, I uh, say I know him particularly well. I met him on, on a couple of occasions. And, um, I mean, he has a reputation for being um, intelligent and um, uh, certainly not being a stupid man. He uh, he's, he's, uh, has a, a reputation also for, I think, for... for um, you know, not necessarily studying things in, in, in huge detail. I mean, there's certainly a plan there um, in, in terms that he came to office and probably surprised a lot of people with, with um, the intention and the, uh, the fervour with which he's talking about leaving on October the 31st. So I think there's a plan there. How deep it goes um, is really hard. To, is really hard to say at the moment. I mean, one can gear the entire British system up towards leaving on October the thirty-first, um, of course. And um, you know, parts of it are certainly going to going to be doing that. I mean, what what plan? Uh, even what plan A is, we're not completely <laughs> sure what plan B or plan C is because no plan. Um, uh, survives first engagement with the enemy. I'm not sure how deep uh, that goes. I'd be very surprised at this stage that uh, whether there's a, there's a sort of detailed plan B or a plan C. All right. Well, we have to leave it there. Stephen Fiddler, thank you very much for your time.